Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome into a Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber, who's getting a jump start to his Turkey Day festivities. But not to worry, we have a ton of fun planned for you guys today. James, my main man, still holding it down behind the glass, keeping us all in check. And we're going to talk a lot of football and Thanksgiving festivities on today's show. We want to hear from you guys. You can always call us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. We want to know, what's your favorite Thanksgiving sports memory that you've ever had? Growing up as a youngster, maybe going to a ball game. Hit us up and let us know what you guys enjoy about the Thanksgiving holiday that's sports-related. We also get to some Thanksgiving food and get James's takes, even if they're bad. We'll still allow him to speak to us today. We're also going to have a couple of guests today. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints with our guy Al Salis is going to join us from the Canal Street Chronicles. We're going to talk about the Saints win last week and head into the matchup with the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. Can they get on track? Can they do it? I'm not so sure. The 49ers look pretty damn good a couple nights back. We're going to ha- also have on our guy Koki Riley from USA Today. We're going to preview LSU in their big matchup against Texas A&M. LSU coming in at number five last night on the college football playoff poll. A lot of people surprised about that. A little controversy. Them USC almost feels back like we're going to 2003. That was a fun time. I don't know if James remembers that if he was born quite then. But a lot of uh, a lot of controversy surrounded those uh, BCS polls back then coming out, and of course we have high school football with quarterfinal action on Black Friday. You know, if you were playing football on Thanksgiving week, you have a damn good team. So we have a bunch in the area that we'll get to later in the show. Again, you want to get in on the action, hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And of course, if you want to see our beautiful mugs, you could always head on over if you're in Acadiana and watch us on Simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or on 133 LUS Fiber. James, I'm going to bring you in real quick. And I I know you are a a little younger, but, but talk about some of your Thanksgiving memories as a kid revolving around sports I know it's always been a big night for watching NFL or day NFL you know the Lions the Cowboys always playing on Thanksgiving I remember the Leon Lett game as a kid him trying to you know fall on the fumble in the snow after remember that I remember some some great college football games as well especially Egg Bowls Mississippi State Ole Miss but a lot of my memories personally kind of surround Black Friday more than Thanksgiving with LSU, Arkansas, maybe even LSU, A&M in more recent years, but a lot of high school football as well, taking trips in quarterfinal action. It's Football's definitely in the air this time of year. What say you, James? 
I'd say definitely so for me. Um, I think my best memory for Thanksgiving football, I would say, is the Saints 2018 whenever they beat the Falcons and Drew Brees through to four different undrafted players. I think that was a spectacular performance because even though it didn't feel like it was super explosive, you still look you still looked at it and you're like, wow, they're moving so easily and it's with guys that were undrafted free agents. You you got uh Keith Kirkwood catching a touchdown, you had Dan Arnold diving across the scene for a touchdown over the top. You got oh, I'm trying to remember what's there was one like little slot receiver's name, but like you get what I'm saying. It, it was I remember that game like it was yesterday. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Our guy, friend of the program, former host of Bumper to Bumper Sports, Ben Love and I, we're big eggnog connoisseurs. We make eggnog each and every year, and we typically make our first batch Thanksgiving night. So that night we had a big gathering. We made a great batch of eggnog. We were watching that ball game. Remember it like it was yesterday. He was sprinkling the football all over the field, and who better to do it against than the Dirty Birds, right? Exactly. It made it made it so much sweeter because it was against a divisional foe in the Falcons. It's not like it was against the Browns or playing against the Chargers who were pretty bad at the or who were okay at the time. It, it it's not somebody from the opposite conference. It was somebody within the conference and within your division. Right within the division, your biggest rival. Yeah. What you know, throw the football around the yard on Thanksgiving just like you do in the backyard with your you, you know, the family, the cousins are over. Chucking the pigskin around the yard. That's all Drew was doing. Bunch of nobodies catching the football. I remember that ball game very well. We also have the Raging Cajuns trying to get to bowl eligible on Saturday. 4 p.m. kickoff against Texas State. Texas State coming in at 4-7 and seven so far this year. I feel like the Cajuns are going to get the job done. They'll be able to get to 6-6 six and six in Coach Dez's first year and clinch a spot in a bowl game, which would be huge considering the way that season's gone. Ben Woolrich out for the season. At least they only got one guy. Still still wasn't a fan of bringing both guys back and forth into the ball game. Chandler Fields will get all the snaps on Saturday. Cajuns look to get that record back to 500 in bowl eligibility. That'll be a big one as well. Of course, we have our homeland. In the World Cup, I know this is not being talked about quite a bit, but Black Friday, hosting the farmer motherland, England, on the pitch. What, what do you call it? First kick, 1 p.m. kickoff. I, you're going to have to help me with, with that, James. But that's happening as well as, as the U.S. tied 1-1 in their opening game against Wales in group play. Look to get the first W over in Qatar against England. James, got somebody who wants to jump on? We got Ben on the hotline. Ben, how goes it today? Hey, Blaine, I'm I'm doing great. And I'm glad you finally brought up the football because, frankly, my favorite Thanksgiving sports memory will be after the next 48 hours when we get over on our former oppressors in England. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, we're going to head over to the Boston Harbor, throw tea around. I mean, we're, we're going back old school style to take over the motherland, right? 1776. Never forget. We haven't. We beat the three Lions on Black Friday, and that's going to set off a great football Americano weekend. That's all I got to say. 
Appreciate the call, Ben. Love to hear from you, buddy. Ben Love calling in there. You know, he's he's ready to go in. And you know, I, I feel like he was, you know, Ben Revere just riding around, letting us know, you know, look, the, the British are coming. They'll be here on Friday afternoon when the Americans, the U.S. of A, take on England on Black Friday over in Qatar in the World Cup. Another big action around the state, too, I want to talk about briefly. Tulane is playing Cincinnati, right? Nine and two, both on the year. And if you look in the group of five over the last five or six years, Cincinnati has been kind of that measuring stick, right? Of where programs want to be. Look, they gave Georgia two years ago all they could handle over in the Peach Bowl. Tulane has an opportunity to win that ball game and win the conference championship and represent the group of five in the New Year's Six Bowl. This is a Tulane program that won two games a year ago, and they're playing really good football. They have a Karen Crow native, Bailey Despani, playing on defense and special teams farm. I, I, I'm excited to see what uh, Tulane could do, if they could upset Cincinnati. I, I know Tulane's ranked higher than Cincinnati right now, coming in 19 in the latest polls, but that would be an upset to beat Cincinnati and clinch that division championship. So it's a ton of fun to get to. And we hadn't even talked about high school football yet. Southside trying to punch its ticket to the first ever state, state semifinal in program history a week ago. Got their first playoff victory. They're going to face a, a little bit different of an animal this week. Zachary team, that's, speaking of measuring stick, you look at 5A football over the last five or six years in the state of Louisiana. Oh, they only played for the state championship three out of the last five years. Talk about a, a program that quickly is a measuring stick game that you get to host that playoff game, though. They got to come over here, play you in St. Martin. Got to come to St. Martinville. Southside Sharks will host them. A couple excellent athletes over there at Zachary. Division I football players, including quarterback Eli Holstein. Alabama commit, leading the charge there. Southside, though, that offense, same thing with Karen Curran and KDN when it comes to playoff time right now, running that Vera offense, running that wing T does a little something different. That's, that's stuff that teams don't see year-round. They're not prepared for. Come playoff time, in-line option, I, I've seen it firsthand, and that Karen Curran Southside game was awfully tough to stop. Southside potent offense out of the wing tee. Defense, very strong. Very strong. They're going to have a tough ball game, but boy, if they could win that, that sets this program off to new heights. Of course, Karen Crow heading over to Warren Easton, the number one seed in select Division One. Karen Crow's going to travel over there for the third time in the last six years. Six years ago, a number one Warren Eastern seed knocked out Karen Crow first round of the playoffs. Excuse me, number three seed Warren Eastern knocked out a 28 seed Karen Crow first round of the playoffs. Then 2019, Warren Eastern was able to upend Karen Crow again. That's a Warren Eastern team back then, though, that was led by Shady Clayton, a Colorado signee, and how about Cedric Van Pran, who's only been starting for Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champion, since day one, when he arrived between the hedges in Athens, those guys aren't there anymore. Different group for Warren Eastern, but still awfully strong. 
coming in at number one in Division One select side. Ah, Division One with an asterisk. Carr absolutely mopped the floor with this team before they had a uh, little bit of a forfeit action that forced Carr to forfeit three ball games, which ultimately gave the number one seed to Warren Easton. So Karen Crow on the road on Friday night. Little rain action over there, too, in New Orleans. Going to be interesting. The Golden Bears have been a multi-dimensional. I just told you how Southside Wing T gives them a different element. If Carrickar wants to, they could be a split-bag veer team that wants to pound the football. But they also shown this year they could be multi-formation. They, they could come out multiple different formations, sometimes in the same drive. I think with the weather, it's supposed to be rainy, over in New Orleans on Friday, not only during the day, but into the evening for the ball game, Pounding the rock in between the tackles most likely gives Karen Crow the best opportunity. This is also a Warren Eastern team that has a lot of athletes on the defensive side of the field. Not sure you want to go spread against a team like that. Just this week, had a four-star cornerback commit to LSU. Different breed of athlete over there out of the New Orleans league. We're going to take a quick break and step aside, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about that LSU matchup against Texas A&M on Saturday night. So stick right here. Plenty more to come from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers, the Houston Astros. You may debate which Thanksgiving side dish to serve this year. Green bean casserole or sweet potato casserole. Yummy. Classic stuffing or oyster dressing. Hashtag yummy. But there is no debate when it comes to who cooks up the very best sports talk. The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vitor filling in for the Bond bom- the Blonde Bomber and having a ton of fun with you guys on this Thanksgiving Eve. Got a big matchup for LSU who came into the college football poll last night at number five, knocking on the door to get into the college football playoff with two games left. Heading to College Station to face a ho-hum Texas A&M squad on Saturday followed by a matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs in Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the SEC Championship a week from Saturday. Tigers take care of business. Feels like they'll do enough to get in now that they're at number five. I don't know what you think, James, but I don't know. Now that they put them at five, I fully expect it. For USC coming off of the UCLA win last Saturday to leapfrog LSU and be five in this poll. But now that LSU's five, I don't see how a win next Saturday against Georgia keeps them out of the college football playoff. Right. I, I think if they beat Texas A&M on Saturday, I think they end up jumping to four because don't don't we have a, a big Big Ten matchup? Yeah, you know, it's only the the, the big game, right? Ohio State and Michigan on Michigan. Saturday, right? So the, the fact that one of them is going to lose, you're probably going to – because you would think Ohio State's going to win. So then at that point you would think you bounce out Michigan at that point. But even then that I don't know, that's tough to me because oh, let's not forget though. USC has to play host on Saturday to Notre Dame, 
who's number 13 in the country and playing really good football, knocked off Clemson less than a month ago. Clemson, uh, excuse me, Clemson, the USC could easily lose that ball game. That would firmly put LSU in the driver's seat and to get into the college football playoff. I, I totally agree with you. Ohio State takes care of business against Michigan. Michigan's out. If Michigan pulls up the upset, though, Ohio State with their strength of schedule, they could still, you know, be in striking distance to get in. I was going to say, I still think you keep Ohio State in if they lose. I still think you keep them in the top four. It's, you know, it's it, it's kind of a weird place to be, like, to, to be for LSU. It, it feels like you take care of business, you're, you're definitely in. It's just, you know, and look, TCU, number four team in the country, they, they play Iowa State at home on Saturday. Iowa State's not very good. I, I wouldn't think that they have much trouble with them. LSU as well, playing against an A&M team that's coming into this ball game. Four and seven off of the big win against UMass, where they led ten to six into the fourth quarter. They ended up winning that game twenty three to six. And this is an LSU team that's gotten better and better over the course of the year. It's still a talented group for Jimbo Fisher. So we interesting who plays A and M double digit guys out over the last few weeks. I don't think this is gonna be a game that's hard to get up for for LSU or for A and M for that matter. These two teams do not care for each other particularly much. LSU, though, just so dominant. I mean, since A&M joined the SEC back in 2012, LSU in those nine matchups only dropping two. One of them being that seven overtime. Seven overtime game, 74-72. Oh, and the other one, the COVID year. Other than that, LSU has been daddy in this series completely dominating the Aggies, even when they've been bad. You know, a year ago, this was not a good LSU team. By any stretch of the means, everybody could recognize that. Jare Jenkins holding in the touchdown pass for Max Johnson within a minute left of that ball game for LSU to win 27-24. to You know, this has been a, a team that LSU just had their number. I know a lot of folks around here joke about Texas A&M Call them Texas eight and four. Seems to be their mo, right? Go eight and four each and every year, no matter if you rank them in the top ten. Texas four and eight <laughs> seems to be a, a legit thing that could happen this year with uh, this ball game on the line. I, I Jaden Daniels was terrific against UAB, and I don't care if you tell me it was just UAB. His progressions were better. His reads were quicker. He was crisper, ran the football much more efficiently. That Arkansas game seems like an outlier on the back half of the schedule. When he came into the Ole Miss game on forward, it's been a different guy. It's been a guy that's kind of just saw that game much, much differently. Arkansas, that Arkansas game was definitely just, to me, an outlier. It was just one of those weird games because – you had everybody being sick. Everybody was drinking chicken broth on the sidelines. It was super cold. It just felt like one of those weird games that, not that you can just throw away, but something that you just can't have that be the lone reason why you're like, oh, the LSU is bad because of this. Well, or or they, they shouldn't be in because they didn't have an otherworldly performance against Arkansas. 
This was also coming off of the big win against Alabama, right? A letdown game was inevitable. Starting quarterback K.J. Jefferson out for Arkansas. You heard that all week long. These guys knew that. It's a little different, though. Going into A&M, 10-point favorites. Going into that Saturday night game, over-under set at 47-and-a-half. A&M's defense is kind of what they hang their hat on. Not too shabby. Pretty decent defense. They gave quite a few teams a scare this year. Couldn't even beat an Auburn team without a coach. I know LSU struggled against Auburn. That's really when they started to get their feet under them. This is a different LSU team than that game over in the Plains. I don't see it much of a challenge for the Tigers come Saturday night. I'm going to head out quickly to the game hotline and bring on my guy T. T, how goes it on this Thanksgiving Eve? Good and you, buddy. Oh, can't complain, man. Ready for the holiday. Uh, How's your big girl? Hey, she's great. Look like she could put down the whole turkey by herself, T. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Well, look, happy Thanksgiving, first of all, to you and your family and James and his family. We we greatly Uh, appreciate that. Well, look, I think uh, you're going to call me crazy, but I think this is more of a trap game than Arkansas was. I really do. They have nothing to play for. I mean, they're going to come out with their, you know. The only caveat I got to that, though, T, is LSU's – the the only caveat I got to that is that LSU has a clear picture now what's ahead of them. They know what the the, the roadmap is. They know if they take care of business they're in. It's clear. It's in front of them. The goals are dangling. The carrot is dangling in front of the horse. They know they need to go out and take care of business. That's the only difference. After beating Alabama, you figured, oh, we have a good season. We got a chance to go to Atlanta, win the SEC. But you didn't know that you could play for prizes this big quite yet, going into that Arkansas game. Now you know exactly where you stand. Yeah, I got you. And like you were saying a minute ago, uh, Jaden Daniels is totally a totally different quarterback. I mean, by far. It's amazing that the difference in him from earlier in the season, even against bad competition, just holding on to the football, indecisive, you know, just being real indecisive with it, but also just kind of playing clammed up a little bit, not taking the chances down the field, not trying to spread it out. Hey, look, Saturday night against Alabama, against Florida, he had no problem with that. Let that thing rip. Sling the pill all over the, the, the yard. Let's go out and get it done. He has playmakers out there. Look how good Malik Neighbors was against UAB. Go out and Man, give those guys opportunities. He, uh... Hello? Yeah, we still here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought I lost you for a second. No, Malik Neighbors is going to go more the best, too. And look, Kayshawn Butte out a week ago with the flu. Josh Williams wasn't able to go. Those are two, arguably, your best players at those two skill positions. They'll be back against AM. AM's defense, no slouch, though. Look, they, hey, well, they, look guys, they've been y'all bad. have a good show, man. You too, buddy. AM's defense, they gave Alabama all they could handle 24 to 20. South Carolina, who just put up, what, 60 plus against Tennessee? They held them to 30, 30 to 24. They were in that ball game. Quite frankly, this is not a good AM team. This is a team that felt like worse and worse as the year moved on. This team quit on Jimbo. 
This team gave up. I don't think there's any possibility that they move on from Jimbo. They're just too deeply invested. They got to stick him around. Got to stay with Jimbo. They would love to move on, though, from him, it feels like. You think LSU still gets into the playoffs if they beat Texas A&M but lose to Georgia? No, no way. Okay. No, no, three-loss team, no way. Yeah, because I I was like, it's it's already crazy enough that they would allow the first two-team, two-loss team in anyway because – we're talking about how LSU, I know that they've made a lot of progressions and they've significantly improved over the year. They've had some huge wins. But to me, the fact that you would take out Michigan for one loss yeah, yeah, and I, put them in for LSU, no who's, who's had two losses, even though even though Florida State has picked it up, still losing to a team that has four losses on the season. I think the likely scenario in that case, lose to Georgia but beat A&M, you finish 10 and. Uh, ten and three at that point, you probably go to the Cotton Bowl. I was gonna say you get one of the you definitely get one of the, the Cotton Bowl, one of the better bowls for New sure. Year Six. Yes, you get a you would get a New Year Six bowl for sure. But to me, if you lose at any point, either one of these games, yeah, 100%. Uh, you, you got to be out. But I, I find it crazy that you beat Texas A and M, you jump Michigan. I, I think you do this week. I do. Uh, it, it'll be interesting how that game goes too. And I mean. Look, a, a tough nail-biter down to the wire at the horseshoe maybe keeps Michigan up there, but something tells me Ohio State has a little bit of an edge with them. Losing to Michigan last year, first time they lost to them in the Jim Harbaugh era. I think this is going to be a very inspired group for Ohio State, and I, quite frankly, I just think they're the better team. I, I don't think that game – I'm not saying it's going to be a complete blowout, but I think they went comfortably by, by two scores – Ish, I I just I, I don't think it, Michigan was a lot better team last year. I don't, I'm, I just don't think this Michigan team's as, as quite as good as Ohio State. I could I could see it if they lose by like two scores, maybe three scores, if it just gets really bad and they get beat up really bad by the Buckeyes. But to me, if it's let ten points or less, I, it, to me that'd be crazy that you you lose like three spots because you lost to the number two team when you were the number three. And then you, you get jumped by... Especially on the road. Yeah. And then you get jumped by a two-loss LSU team. Because that, that's what that's what seems to be the trend right now. Like that, Why do you think LSU has jumped so far ahead and is still ahead of USC, even though they've only got one loss? Well, I think it's the strength of schedule. And it's the way LSU's played down the stretch, beating Alabama, beating Ole Miss. Um, I, I think the committee just puts value on playing a tough schedule and the improvement that LSU's shown... Over that stretch, I think uh, this it's a unique situation, right? I mean, in 2007, LSU was the only two-loss team to play for a national championship in the BCS era, and they won it. This could be the first time a two-loss team makes it to the college football playoff. Um, how how unique and ironic would that be if in both cases that it's LSU? We're going to step aside real quick when we come back. Our guy Al Silas is going to join us at the Canal I'm sorry, Koki Riley's going to join us next to the USA Today, and we're going to continue to talk about this LSU-Texas A&M matchup. So don't go anywhere. Stick around right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number one. Don't drop a fully frozen turkey into the deep fryer.
So please do us all a favor and don't blow up your house this Thanksgiving. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into a Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber. We're having a lot of fun with you on this Wednesday afternoon heading into Turkey Day. We're going to head over quickly to the game hotline and bring on our guy, Koki Riley of the USA Today, to talk LSU Tigers as they head into the matchup with Texas A&M on Saturday. Koki, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Appreciate your time. LSU last night coming in at number five in the college football playoff rankings. Were you pretty surprised that USC didn't jump them to the five spot? Um... I don't know if I used the word surprise. I think I was, I think I was like half expecting, uh, for USC to jump LSU in the rankings, but it didn't shock me just because, I mean, this committee's been very consistent in how much they've liked the Tigers. And I mean, we saw it in the first week when they were ranked number 10. Uh, we've seen it as they've got, as, as they've slowly risen the ranking, rank up the ranking since. Um, and, you know, Slotting them in at five and and, and just kind of being consistent and in, in sort of there, how impressed they've been with um, uh, some of LSU's wins, especially uh, the Alabama win. Um, I, I think that consistency has has shown through, and I think we and think it was confirmed again on Saturday, not not Saturday, yesterday. On Saturday, LSU maybe their best offensive performance of the year, still without three starters in, in Kayshawn Butte, Josh Williams, as well as Charles Turner along the offensive line. What can you tell us about LSU's health heading into this Texas A&M game? Um, I think they should be healthier in this matchup. Uh, we didn't get exact updates on, on some of the some of the guys, but I mean, after the game, it sounded like Charles Turner and Josh Williams could have played if if it was a more important game or if they really really needed them. So that seemed like more precaution than anything else um, with those two guys. Gucci was sick, so he should be good to go for this for this upcoming week and moving forward. Um, uh, LSU's been dealing with the flu, so they Harold Perkins and Micah Baskerville played with it last week. Uh, Jaden Daniels had it last week as well, um, and, and, it, and it caused Gucci to sit out this past week. So. Uh, it, it seems like that flu stuff, that flu stuff sort of behind them at the moment. Um, the only the only guy who they're gonna they're gonna lose now here for the rest of the season is Armani Goodwin, who's gonna be out for the year with a knee injury, um, and that's and that's notable because now LSU only has three uh, scholarship running backs available, and uh, one of them's a little bit banged up right now in Josh Williams. So. Uh, I, I think they'll have Williams, Williams back for this game, and if not back for this game, almost certainly for the SEC championship game. So I I, I feel like health-wise they're in a pretty solid spot considering how late we are into the season and how important these games are in general. You mentioned the, the sickness for Jaden Daniels into that uh, Arkansas game and them not playing very well. With, with the picture pretty clear and the path into the college football playoff seems very clear in front of them. doesn't feel like this is going to be a game at A&M where they really lay an egg. This seems like a very motivated bunch that's ready to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Um, and I, I think if they struggled again against UAB I, and, and you know barely won that game and, and kind of full, like played with their food, uh, so to say, I, I think this game would have been – this game would have potentially been an issue, you know, um, not playing up – you know, not playing up to the standards that they've set for themselves. But 
as we saw in the UAB game, they more than more than just took care of business. They dominated that game, especially in the final three quarters. So um, as long as they can play that well defensively, I I have trouble seeing them um, even coming close to losing this game just because, uh, I mean, this A&M offense is arguably worse than the UAB offense they're, they just faced last week, and, and that's saying something. So um, I... I just don't see the path for Adam to score enough points to be really competitive in this game, even if their defense could give LSU some trouble, especially in the first half. It seemed like an emphasis of pushing the ball down the field against UAB. I mean, early in the ball game, it didn't waste any time, right? Really, Jaden Daniels letting it rip from the onset. Uh, is that something that you're going to see in this offense kind of going forward? This is a and I know you mentioned the offense being bad. Their defense, though, is very talented, and they – pretty darn good as well. Do you think of LSU, especially with the banged-up running game, they're going to have to make their hay throwing the football? Um, I, I think LSU is going to run run the ball actually quite a bit in this game. I was doing some research for a story for a story that's coming out on Friday um, for this match, for this exact matchup. And A&M's run defense has really struggled in their last against SEC opponents. I mean, they've allowed over 900 rushing yards against their last three SEC teams. All of them are pretty good running teams, granted. That's Auburn, um, uh, Florida, and Ole Miss, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, those are three pretty solid rushing teams, but they still gave up over 900 yards to those three teams. That's a lot um, in just three games. So I, 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 I feel like with, with, this, uh, with this LSU team, they're going to have to run the ball pretty well in this game in order to win, in order to sort of uh, relax that secondary, that Texas A&M secondary and the Texas A&M defense that – as you mentioned, they've been very, very good this season, but um, they sort of had more trouble with some of those downhill rushing attacks and some of those bigger, more physical offensive lines, and that's exactly what LSU has. So I'd say that's definitely a matchup advantage that the Tigers need to um, uh, put their finger on. LSU's defense uh, and Madhouse, I mean, they, they've just been playing lights out. Um, after giving up an early score against UAB a week ago, they – didn't surrender hardly anything. They had the held the you know nation's leading rusher to what thirty something what yards rushing. Uh, th- this feels like a group coming into its own uh, w- with A and M's offensive woes. Uh, I mean, you you can't expect much from A and M on Saturday. Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if they got the twenty offensive points. Um, just because I, I don't really know what A and M has that can can counter all the defensive strengths that LSU's defense has. I think the LSU defense has been the most consistent. Um, most reliable part of this team. I think they're incredibly well coached. I think their tackling has improved um, really since the Tennessee game quite a bit. Uh, they, they get they pressure the quarterback pretty consistently. They're probably what they probably have one of the best pass rushes in the nation, um, not just personnel wise, but also schematically and how they can scheme up some of those rushes. Uh, I, I I have a lot of confidence in this team, and, and I think their secondary is good. It's not great. Um, but I mean, you don't need a great secondary against A and M, given how how porous their passing game has been. Um, I think they're I, I, as long as they can bottle up a chain, which I have confidence that they can do, given how well they've played against the run in recent weeks. Uh, I, I, as long as they can do that, I, I think they're going to be fine. A lot of momentum with, with this Tiger program, especially on the recruiting chair, uh, trail right now. Um, LSU's class already with what twenty five commits. Uh, for this 2022 group, uh, how, how many more high school kids do you think they try to add uh, before signing day and, and try to leave some spots open for that uh, transfer portal? That, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I feel like 
they're going to add a couple more kids. Um, I think Desmond Ricks, he's the five-star quarterback. He's favored to come to LSU at this point. Not a guarantee, um, but he's favored, as well as JV and Toviano. He's a safety-slash-corner type, uh, high four-star kid, top 50 player in the nation. Um, both those kids are top, or class of 2023 guys. So uh, Ricks was a 2024 recruit, actually. I think he was number one or number two in the nation overall out of everyone. Uh, all positions, all all players, all that good stuff um, for 2024, and then reclassified to 2023. So I think those two guys, um, there's a it's a pretty good probability they add uh, one, if not both of them. And I, I think there's probably room for them to add a, a couple more pieces after that. I mean, we all, I, even I, last year, as we saw as well, like this, sometimes this recruiting stuff, late thing, late um, developments happen in. They can and and all of a sudden LSU's landing a guy, right? And and this will get dragged out to February as well. I mean, LSU didn't get Harold Perkins until February, so uh, there's a chance they can add someone then too. So right now they're what at 24, 25 guys. I, I could see them. I, I don't see them going above 30, but I, I could see them getting in the 27, 28 range for sure. Being around Coach Ed Ogeron's staff, you know, over the last few years, and now Brian Kelly. Tell me how different the psyche of this team is, especially late in the season. I, you know, I know it's it's hard to put a gauge on the last two teams that really didn't have much to play for, but you know, this team has an opportunity to play for all the marbles, and they seem to be getting better week over week. Do the team do, do they buy into that, or, or where are they at? You know, mentally right now. I think mentally they're just locked in and trying to trying to build on the habits that. Coach Kelly's tried to uh, um, install in them this season. I mean, they've had to do everything basically 180 degrees different than what they did under Orgeron, um, just in terms of practicing habits and, and all that and all that sort of stuff. I, I mean, this is it, this this program has gone from kind of like a rah rah culture, like like high culture program, to kind of a more of a machine, I guess. And it's just been a transition to. Um, going from one style of of uh, of environment of culture, so to say, and then shifting it to something completely different. Um, and the shift has worked much much quicker than I think anyone uh, could have reasonably expected. So I, for one, did not cover Ordron. Um, this is my first year on the beat, so personally, I can't say um, what it was like exactly, but. From everyone I talked to who's covered this team, from all the, from the players we get to talk to, from all that sort of stuff, it just seems like everything is a hundred is a hundred eighty degrees different. I mean, everything is measured, everything is um, considered, and there's just a level of detail that it just doesn't seem that simply didn't really exist in this program um, before Brian Kelly came along. Wrapping up right now with Koki Riley of the USA Today. And look, we don't want to pull the the, the, the cart before the horse, right? Uh, but, but let's look ahead a little bit to, to that Georgia matchup a week from Saturday. Um, I, you, you couldn't have dreamed that LSU would be in this position to not only play for an SEC championship but a potential spot in the college football playoff. What, what are your early thoughts on that game? I, I know this is a really good Georgia team, but this feels like an LSU team that's just peaking at the right time. Yeah, um, I, I would be pretty darn surprised if LSU won this game just because Georgia is such a good team and they have so many strengths. And it's going to be really hard for me to see how LSU is going to be able to put up the points necessary while also giving its defense enough of a breather. To be honest, I mean, when you're playing a when you're playing a Georgia offense that's as physical and downhill as they are, 
as they are, like you're going to, you're the, the offense needs to produce on the other end, you know, sort of like how in the Alabama game, like LSU's offense sort of took over in the second half while its defense, um, uh, obviously wasn't going to play quite up to the levels it did in the first half against Alabama. So I, I just don't really, it's hard for me to see how that trade-off's going to work just given how good Georgia is. Um, I, I mean, there is sort of a recipe to beat them or at least get close to beating them. It's a lot of it's forcing turnovers. A lot of it's um, stopping Georgia in the red zone. Uh, I mean, LSU has forced some turnovers this season and they have one of the better red zone defenses in the country. So I guess you could see, you could uh, chalk those two things up for LSU as a potential, potential advantage in this game. But personnel wise, Georgia is where LSU wants to be in two or three years. Um, and, that's hard to make up, right? I mean, it's one. What? It, granted, it's one game. They're not playing a seven-game series or even a five-game series. But at the same time, I, that's it, they've got a they've got a pretty big gap um, personnel-wise. And I, I don't know. It, it's it could happen. I, I'm a little bit more open to it than I was a week or two ago. But I would be pretty darn surprised. Koki, my guy. Let's get rid of Texas A&M first, man. I appreciate your time today. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Alrighty, awesome. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Koki Riley, USA Today, breaking down not only LSU, Texas A&M, but getting us a peek ahead against the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC Championship game. Before we take a break, my guy, James, has a quick message for you. Just want to let you know to tune in to the McNeese Coaches Show from 6 to 7 tonight, presented by Maplewood Burgers, Line of Bed, out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking all things Cowboys as Athletic Director Heath Schroyer joins the show. So tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're going to head to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up our number one. So stick ahead right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number eight. At your dinner this year, make sure that the alcohol is locked away. Because you know how Uncle Carl gets. So keep the booze away from Carl. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game wants to help you stuff your stockings with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstake presented by Armitar Jewelers. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armitar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back into the last time. In the first hour of the Jordy Holberg Show on this Thanksgiving Eve, I'm Blaine Vietar filling in. We've been having a great time talking pretty much exclusively football. Talk Tigers, Cajuns, high school, and having a lot of fun with you guys. I can give you a brief update on the other kind of football. Belgium right now just went final against Canada, one to nothing in the World Cup over in Qatar in group play. Belgium getting the win early on, a lot closer than people expect. If I had to guess, James could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Belgium's probably a top 5-10 to 10 team in the world, while Canada's probably not so good. 
Can you help me out with that, James? Is that correct? I believe Belgium is a pretty superior squad. It feels like Canada is almost kind of like the the same thing as the U.S. I I, oh. I don't I don't find either of those squads ultra talented. I think when you have to go more towards the Europe and Asia's of the world, South America, South America as well. I mean, how could you ever forget Brazil? I mean, they're they're the favorite. But I remember. You say so. <laughs> but I I'm just saying what. No, I, like the I, I, num- I'm, the numbers, I'm telling you, you tell me, I believe you. <laughs> uh, I'm not a soccer guy. I, I watch the World Cup every four years, and it feels like the last, what, the last World Cup, the U.S. wasn't even in it. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't very, wouldn't it, very into it. <laughs> if, if we're going with Matt Miguez's words, technically, he's not wrong when he says that the U.S. did improve because actually right, they they're qualify. in there, right? They're they're part of the what is it, 32 teams? They're one of 32 now, so they didn't even make it last time. But uh, to me, really quickly, because we're about to wrap up, uh, I just lost my thought. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to get we'll have to get to it in in hour number two. Hour number two. We still have a lot of fun to get with you. We want to touch base on our question of the day. What is your favorite Thanksgiving sports memory? And we also going to have our guy Al Salis is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the Saints. So stick around right here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show for hour number two on this Thanksgiving Eve. I'm Blaine Viatar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber. We gave him an extra day to prepare for Turkey Day to get his turkey all ready and get ready for the big holiday. So you guys have been stuck with me, but we've been having a lot of fun. In the first hour, we talked some Saints, some Tigers, some Cajuns, some high school football, even some World Cup. And we're going to continue to have that conversation in this second hour. I want to bring on James Mesh because he told me such a horrible take before we came on air. I would like for all of you guys to listen to this. We were talking about Zach Wilson being benched for the New York Jets, and he hasn't been playing the best, right? I, I'd be the first to admit it. He, Jan- he literally just admitted actually as well. He was like, I haven't been doing my job. I'm not surprised. But what do you do for a young quarterback psyche in the future development on a guy that you already heavily invested in, you already spent a second round pick on him, and gave you him spent the second overall pick, on right? Him. Or some, excuse me, second overall pick and gobs and gobs and gobs of money, and then you just say, "Hey, man, go grab the clipboard and the visor. We're gonna sit you this week." And I look, your, your take before the last break was even worse when you said, hey, "It's not a forever thing. It's just you know for now." Baloney. Once you give up that job and you come back in, it's going to be different. Jameis Winston gave up the job due to injury. Can't get that cat back on the field. Well, I'm sure Mike White might have, might have one of those Mike White games like he did, what was it, last year, where he was magical for like a game and a half. So you may see that again where they're like, ooh, let's start Mike White again, but then he'll probably stink up the field as well. And then like, all right, Zach, get, get back in there. And then, and then oh, okay, oh, now you want me back? I'm just the lesser of the two evils? I mean, once you jump off of a guy, especially a guy that's selected that high, 
you're done with him. I don't ever expect Zach Wilson to be the guy in, for, for the – he's 5-2. and two. Let's talk about that. 5-2 and two as the start of this year. And I know you brought up the Brees Hall argument. Because you know, he was he was a huge part of that Jets offense before he got injured. He was. He was. Look, definitely agree. In, then, those, in those games, Zach was probably more of just a game manager, not winning the football game, wasn't pressing it down the field or anything. Like where it's like, just don't, just don't throw three interceptions, Zach, and you, you're giving us a good chance. And then what has happened the last – Three games since they they What's did happen they, now? they did they did beat the they did beat the Bills in in that time all that money just sitting on the on the sideline oh the Bills aren't they pretty good yeah one of the best in the league you beat Jet, them Jets Jets defense made them look absolutely putrid you won the game he did right they 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 did win that game so now you're gonna sit him with the clipboard and the visor and all his money on the sideline. And you're going to say, hey, Zach, we'll get you back in eventually, buddy. Everything's going to be okay. I'm sure his confidence is great. That's like your mom telling you, hey, come here, James. Everything's going to be okay. You get that second plate at Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Just take a break. You ain't going back in for seconds after that. Zach Wilson ain't going to ever be the same guy. Come on, James. I'm not Look, I'm not saying the guy's Joe Montana. But if you use I was gonna say his his overall pick. And invested in this guy. He's the future of your franchise. And after going five and two, you're gonna say, Hey, we good. Saw it. Look, go 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 grab some Gatorade. Maybe we let you play later. Get out of here. That confidence level is to me, I, I still think it's fine. It, it's not like you're it's not like you've invested thirty million dollars a year into him. He's still on his rookie He's contract. He's still on his rookie deal. It's 100%. it's only it's only five mil. It's five mil. Plus, there's plenty of quarterbacks that you could look into very soon. Plus, I mean, we see this all the time with the Jets, where they they just move on to the next quarterback because they're yeah, looking that's for the got next. Him, that's got them really good. Just playing musical chairs at quarterback has the New York Jets in prime position every year to to compete for for division championships. Get that Poloni out of here. We do want to make a, a correction. I did some research in the break, right? We, we told you that Belgium was pretty good. They just beat Canada. How about FIFA number one right now in the FIFA World Rankings? Number one, Belgium. one nothing over Canada. I had to throw that out there. I don't know much about soccer, but hey, the internet is a very powerful thing. We're going to head out quickly to the game hotline and bring on our guy, Ralph. Ralph, how goes it on this Thanksgiving Eve? Hey, man, doing, doing pretty well. And, and look, not only is... Uh, Zach Wilson not going to start. He, he's going to be inactive. Joe Flacco's the backup, so uh, he's not even holding the clipboard this weekend. So man, that, that's man, that's that's the ultimate, huh? Like, hey, <laughs> we're good. We don't even want you there. <laughs> you're, you're the assistant to the assistant regional manager now, officially. <laughs> he's basically George well, Costanza, right? <laughs> well, or he's, he's white shrewd on the office, man. <laughs> so, but um. But no, on on this Thanksgiving, I, I just wanted to, to be. I'm, I'm so thankful for obviously all my blessings, but uh, so thankful for being wrong. Number one about Brian Kelly because I didn't think he'd fit in with the culture and the. Yeah, you know, I thought recruiting might be a, a problem, and and uh, you know after the rough start against Florida State, I was still 
skeptical, but man, I'm so glad I'm wrong. And, and I, I have so much confidence now going forward, um, with this program. I, I, I love to eat crow, you know, and, and I'm glad I had to do it in this case. And, and he, and he's my pecan pie for Thanksgiving. On the other hand, my green bean casserole, Dennis Allen. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, Ralph, I appreciate the call, and boy, you're not wrong about Brian Kelly. I don't think anybody expected him to be in the position that he is in year one, you know, not only getting LSU to play better and to really overturn the entire roster. Um, when he showed up with 30 players on scholarship, now he's uh, retooling this thing thanks to the transfer portal and, and the recruiting. But green bean casserole, Dennis Allen, I was thinking more like that was uh, – you know, whatever your aunt brings that nobody wants, like some coleslaw or something, man. Uh, green bean casserole is the star of the show. Can't can't be slander against green bean casserole. Couldn't be right, more right against Brian Kelly, though, in, in his recruiting. Right now, has the fourth best class in all of the country. Headlined by Shelton Sampson Jr. out of Catholic of Baton Rouge. The five-star commit wide receiver. But, boy, he's just been so good. I'm going in multiple different states, though. I mean, he's going to Louisiana, Maryland, Florida, Minnesota, California, Indiana, Georgia, just to name a few. The guys, the thing about Brian Kelly, he brought his own brand. LSU's brand was already powerful. You know, no matter what Ed Ogeron did to, to the program and to its name, they won a national championship just a couple years ago. The brand is still strong. And then Brian Kelly bringing in his own brand on top of that and you know, just coming in with some class and some dignity has done wonders for the program, especially on the recruiting trail. I mean, you heard what Cokie Riley said, already sitting right now with, uh, what is it, 25 commits. Expect them to sprinkle that closer to 30 when we get near signing day. After that, hit the transfer portal with the new rules of not, you know, having class caps anymore. No hard cap at 25. You can pretty much sign to get to 85, however, whichever way you want. We already know LSU plays under that number now. So they'll have some opportunities to improve the roster moving forward. I want to get back to this this conversation on the, the Zach Wilson thing and benching quarterbacks and what that does to them. It's You see this time and time again. Guys just aren't the same. Let's say that, hey, let's say RP3 says, hey, James, why don't you take a seat tomorrow and we're going to get somebody, we're going to get an intern in over here, let him run the show Maybe we'll let you back Monday. When you come back Monday, James, that Hell, mindset's different, right? Hella motivated. Motivated? Yeah. Okay. I'm a, I'm a big prove-you-wrong guy. All right. You say I can't do something. Well, some to... some people say that Zach Wilson's been getting his way his whole life, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the comment Booger McFarland made with Steve Young you, just this past week. You, uh, you put him in timeout. And, and so that's what this is, timeout? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's been acting like a child. Do you do you think do you think a child who likes older women though? Hey, man. <laughs> do you, bud? Do you? I don't blame him. No, but I mean, has not played well. And then the I forget what the exact question was, but it's like, do you do you think like you wasted uh, a really good performance by the defense, or do you, or it was do you think you let the team and the defense down with that performance on Sunday? He said no. Your your defense gives up three points and you still lose, and you, and your your offense doesn't do anything on all day, and and you just say no, it's it's not it's not my fault, it's not my fault. I'm not taking accountability for this loss. It, that's something you got to grow into and grow up. He's in his second year. Let's also pretend that 
this division is still wide open. Jets this year six and four. Dolphins have absolutely leveled up. They're seven and three. Exactly. Everybody's mumbled up right there, just ready. Anybody could win that division. The Patriots have been, to their standards, not very good this year. They're six and four, a game back right now. They're keeping themselves alive. The Bills and the Dolphins are seven and three. Mm-hmm. They ain't running away with Jack. Anybody could still win this division. And you're saying, hey, we ain't even got a quarterback now? Come on, James. The Jets, <laughs> you, man. You've been doing, the it, with, with the you've been doing it with half a quarterback. <laughs> so, so when's the last time the Jets been in this situation where they could even compete for a division championship? Sanchez. You know, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> We're a butt baby. fumble away from, you know, come on. I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Wilson butt fumbled. <laughs> Would not be surprised. He's really good at handing the ball off to Brees Hall when he was there. Brees Hall was a... He was an animal. He was coming into his own. I wasn't expecting this type of explosion, but man. My fantasy team misses him dearly. Oh, I bet. And I want I want to trade for him so bad. It's, as soon as week three hit, I was like, please. I've been strolling out Antonio Gibson since then, <laughs> who? who hasn't been terrible. He's been giving me about a 10-piece a week. He still gets on the field. He does. And and now, and with J.D. McKissick being on IR. It- with, the, with no Brees Hall, but I digress. I just wanted everybody to know James's horrible take that it's okay just to bench a quarterback to get his mind right. When does that work? Give me some examples that it worked. Give me some examples that you told a guy to say, uh, kind of like Ralph pointed out, not even, not only just, hey, go grab the clipboard, say, hey, we good. We don't even want you active, bro. I was going to say, you're just not even on the field. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I, I don't know if I, I have an example that I could bring to you to to, to talk to, to really talk about <laughs> where this worked out. I don't really have one either. I could tell you about a starting... I just I just never I just was never high on Zach Wilson to begin with. Never thought he was going to work out. Same because you don't I, you I don't, don't think he's great. You I'm don't not, think you didn't think he was going to work out no, either. I don't so think, don't, I still don't think he's great. So if you don't think he's a good quarterback, but how are you going to hop off the wagon after you already said, "Hey, I'm going to use my number 2 overall pick on this guy and say, you know, in year 2, hey, look, let, let's move on after he's 5 and 2 on the year as the starter." I I don't know. Talking about starters coming back and getting their job back, Chandler Fields got the job back after Ben Woolrich got injured. And they're going to need Chandler in a big way as the Cajuns look to get back to 500 against Texas State on Saturday. 4 p.m. kick. Cajuns five-point favorites on the road over under set at 45. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back on the other side, the other half of the Miguez and Best show, Matt Miguez is going to join us, and we're going to break down the Cajuns. And the Bobcats, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number 22. Bringing canned cranberry sauce to the family feast is not acceptable. So leave the canned purple stuff on the shelf. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
It's another great deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today you can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15. That's a $30 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Viator filling in for the Blonde Bomber who is taking an early Turkey Day break. I'm going to bring on my guy, Matt Miguez, with me to talk a little Cajuns and Southside Sharks. Matt, appreciate you jumping on early with us and, and talking some some shop. Look, man, I, I love I love sports radio so much. I'll do it all day long if I have to. So happy to help out. We appreciate that. I, look, the Cajuns coming into this ball game uh, against a, a team that they they should beat. Right? They are favored in the ball game on the road. This is a a Texas State team that had lost four in a row before beating Arkansas State a week ago. But right before we came on, you were like, wait, maybe not so fast. This is a really good Bobcats team. It really is. You know, you, you look at this team, Lane Hatcher is their quarterback. And if you're familiar, Lane Hatcher spent the last two years as the quarterback at Arkansas State. Uh, you know, they've, they've got good running backs. They've got good receivers. They have a solid defense as well. You look at a lot of those losses, especially the last four, uh, other than the South Alabama game, which South Alabama is still in the hunt to play in the conference championship game, uh, you know, they're, they're by six or less points. And against good competition in this conference, you know, Southern Miss, Troy, you know, people like to look at the App State win that Texas State got as kind of an outlier. And I guess, yeah, you could, you could say that. Um, but, you know, this is a Bobcats team that I definitely wouldn't overlook if I'm Michael Desermo and the Cajuns, especially considering you need a win if you want to get a bowl game. I think it's a huge game for perception, right? Especially in year one of the program, you know, Coach Dez is really trying to build something, his own yep. brand here, right? Yep. After Coach uh, Billy Napier left, he's trying to build the program to have his own identity uh, post-Napier. And this is really his opportunity to to get into bowl um, play in his year one. That – to, to me, just from a perception standpoint and on the recruiting tra- trail, this game is ultra important. It's huge because if you finish the season six and six, a lot of people forget that Billy Napier went seven and seven his first year. You, f- you finished seven and five in the regular season, lost the conference championship game, lost your bowl game, finished seven and seven the first year. So if you go six and six and make a bowl game, you know, you're, you're kind of on pace of what Billy Napier did here. And look, it's not just the perception of the program, but getting those extra practices, well, you, especially with a young team, right? Well, you see, Desmond talked about that in his press conference on Monday. If you make a bowl game, he said you have the opportunity to get a 15, 15 additional practices, up to 15 additional practices. That's a spring session. I mean, that is invaluable, especially for these younger guys that you're going to depend on next year to, to make an impact for you. I mean, that's a huge difference maker getting them, you know, more experience and more reps in, in an offense that they're, they still might not be very familiar with. And look, this is an offense that's really struggled with identity yep. the whole year. You know, they kind of played hot potato at the quarterback position early on in the year. Ben Woolrich became the guy since his injury. You know, you get Chandler Fields back. What, what do you expect in this ball game, and how this offense can establish itself? I expect this team to run the ball. You know, Chris Smith is healthy now. Um, you know, he hurt he hurt his hamstring against South Alabama earlier in the year and hasn't quite been right since. But he's healthy now. Uh, I expect a heavy dose of running. Jalen Washington has stepped up in a big way for this team as well the last couple of weeks. 
And, I mean, you're not going to get away from throwing the ball because that's kind of where your strength is this year with guys like Michael Jefferson and John Stevens Jr. and Johnny Lumpkin. So I don't see them getting away from the passing game completely. But if the Cajuns want to find success in San Marcos, they're going to have to establish the running game early and often. And this is a, a Texas State, Bob, they don't really run the football very well, no. very efficiently. No. So I, I expect for them, you know, they just played a Florida State team, they can really pound the rock. Yeah, and, and you know, you you expected that, right? And it, it was one of those games where the, the mentality going in was just kind of, you know, keep it as competitive as you can, don't get hurt, take your money and run. Let's say they, they, they can find their way to, to a win on Saturday afternoon, which would be huge for the program, yep. like you mentioned, not only from a perception standpoint, but getting those practices, especially with a young team and a young core. Where do you think they ultimately end up in the bowl talk? More than likely right now, the conversation is the Independence Bowl uh, up in Shreveport. Um, now, the New Orleans Bowl is not out of the question, which you know obviously Cajuns fans are very familiar with. The Cajuns have been to the New Orleans Bowl six times now um but yeah the the independence bowl is definitely probably the one that's top of the list considering there was a representative from the independence bowl at the louisiana georgia southern game on november the 10th uh the the independence bowl is very interested in in the cajun so if they hit six wins it's likely you go there and, and okay, from from a Cajun standpoint, you mentioned six trips to to Nolan and New Orleans Bowl gets a little stale. Maybe any excitement, a little more excitement, maybe to head over to Shreveport and play in the Independence Bowl. It, it's something new, and in in the Independence Bowl, you know, you're probably going to play, you know, better competition. You know, if you look at Brett McMurphy's bowl projections as it stands right now, he's got the Cajuns going to the Independence Bowl to play Houston. Oh wow! Like that would be a good matchup. Dana Hogerson's Cougar team was. Lofty on the expectations right. this year. Right. <laughs> Army Army is still in the conversation to go to the Independence Bowl. That would be a really cool matchup for a lot of different reasons. So I think the Independence Bowl, again, it's somewhere the Cajuns haven't played before, and I think you have the opportunity to play some better competition in a, in an environment, like I said, that you haven't experienced as a fan base yet. You think you get good crowd? You know, you travel yeah. well to the Independence Bowl? Yeah. More yeah. than you get at Cajun Phil? Yeah. <laughs> So it, it's crazy to think about that, right? You know, how, how are you going to get more people for a bowl game? But, you know, the, the, the term FOMO comes in. People don't want to miss out on a bowl game. People that might not go to a Cajun field on a Saturday, if the Tigers aren't playing, I mean, they're going to make the trip. Um, so the, the only downfall to the Independence Bowl is that it's two days before Christmas. It's the Friday before Christmas. Oh, well, so, a lot of folks are already off though, too. Well, so right, kind of Th- that, that, that helps. Yeah. That helps. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you would have a pretty good contingent of, of Vermilion and White travel up to Shreveport. We're going to turn our attentions now to a little high school gridiron action. Uh, Matt's also the color commentator for the Southside Sharks. And look, if you're playing football on Black Friday, you got a damn good football team. The Southside Sharks under Josh Fontenot this year, awfully good. They're going to welcome in one of the who's who in Class 5A in the state of Louisiana, and Zachary. What are your early thoughts on that ballgame Friday night? So this is a matchup. You know, Zachary, like like you said, they're just a powerhouse in 5A. Eli Holstein's having a, a hell of a career. He's going to go on to Alabama next year. They've got really good weapons at the running back position as well as out wide. But, you know, you asked Josh Fontenot, their defense is scarier than their offense. 
Kylan Jackson, LSU yeah. commit. They, they yeah. got some studs on that side of the ball. So, you know, I think if you're, if you're south side, you stick to your bread and butter, you run the ball, and then, you know, you, you, you catch them off guard. Throw throw in some play-action passes because, you know, the, the few times that Southside has pulled that out of their bag this year, it's worked, and it's worked in big ways. So I, I think you just kind of stick to what you've been doing. Let your defense, who blitzes like crazy, maybe rattle Eli Holstein a little bit and, you know, keep the game close, and, and maybe you can you can sneak a uh, what would be a major upset by beating the Broncos. And, and you mentioned the – Defense that is like crazy. Defensive coordinator Ben Mouton, kind of a gunslinger mentality yep. on the defensive side of the football field. Uh, he, he's not afraid no. to dial up any pressure at any given situation. No, no. Uh, ben Ben is not afraid to put seven, eight guys in the box and, and send every single one of them. And, and look, I, I watched them only once this year against Karen Crow. They did, especially early in the ball game, did some different stuff where they were lining the defensive line three and four yards off the football initially. Get a running <laughs> Before, start. Yeah, it, was, yep. it was something to see, just very unconventional. Yeah, you know, and and the, the formation they always like to run is, is more times than not you'll see them line up five DBs in a straight line. It's, it's never man-to-man. You line up five DBs in a straight line, and then you got six guys in the box. And those six guys are going to blitz, and then two of those DBs are going to come up, and I mean, you, you just don't know where they're gonna come yeah, from. You you have no clue where the pressure is gonna come from or where the defense. It, it's so incredible the the things that, that that staff has been able to do. And we talked a, a little bit about this in, in hour one. Um, I, I think their offense is an advantage for them. I mean, that wing T you don't mm-hmm. see a lot of teams play it. It's kind of like a Katiana in the playoffs or Karen Crow or what Westgate used to do when they ran the wing T. It's just uh, it, it takes it's a lot to prepare for with only one week. And you, you get something different that you're not used to seeing week in and week out. Teams struggle to, to do that with just short preparation. Yeah, you know, look, looking at the matchup, the, the best way I can explain it is I don't think Zachary has seen a team like Southside. And then again, I don't think Southside has seen a team like Zachary. So it's, it's going to be a good matchup of, of two really good 5A teams. And it's, it's really a shame that this game is going to be played at St. Martinville. High school, yep. right? And it's not really – do you feel that it's a true home field advantage for Southside? You know, Southside has done a great job of making St. Martinville a home field advantage. I mean, the the community just absolutely shows up, and they're loud, and they're involved. Um, so it, it, it's been nice, but, you know, I, I'm interested to see what it's going to be a couple years from now when Southside finally has their own football stadium, and, you know, it can, it can turn into a true home field advantage. Couldn't agree more. And tomorrow night, you could hear all that action on Mustang 107.1. Of course, Matt's going to be joined by Stevie P. Uh, pre-game at 6.45, kickoff at 7 on Friday night. Tomorrow's yeah. Thursday. So we have to wait till Black Friday for that matchup. But you can catch Matt and Steve over there on Mustang 107.1. And, of course, if you dare to stay with us, you can catch Miguez and Mesh uh, crunch Ooh. time after this. But what you guys got lined up on this Thanksgiving Eve? Well, I'm going to hound James for his horrible take about Zach Wilson. <laughs> Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk some raging Cajuns with our guy Jay Walker, and then at uh, at five thirty we're gonna do Who That Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle. One thing I do want to say though, talking about our broadcast on Friday, it will not be Steve Pelican oh, with me. Okay, uh, it'll be Monty Hanks. Okay, from the Acadian High broadcast team. Stevie P is on the road with Raging Cajuns women's basketball. There you go. And so uh, Monty Hanks. It'll be, it'll be Matt and Monty on, on Friday night. What a squad you guys will have there. Before I let you go, we, we wrap up this segment. 
What dish are you looking forward to the most Goal. heading into Thanksgiving tomorrow? Green bean casserole. You gotta have it, right? Ralph called earlier and he called Dennis Allen the the, the green bean casserole of the deal. That would, in my eyes, oh, be, that's, a, that's that's an insult, right? I mean, look, green bean casserole is the star of the show. Give me ham that and green an, bean casserole. You could keep the turkey, you could keep the dressing. That's all I need. That is an insult to green bean casserole. Comparing Dennis Allen to green bean casserole. I told you this earlier. You give me a plate of ham, deviled eggs, stuffing, green bean casserole. You in. I'm done. I don't need anything else. Need two plates of that, no dessert needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give me two plates of that and I'm going to take a nap. I'm done. I'm good. (laughs) Bad man, I appreciate you jumping on. Always a pleasure to talk to you, bud. Always, bud. Anytime. You know that. There you go. Matt Miguez right there. Crunch time with Miguez and Mess joining us, breaking it down. Not only Raging Cages, but Southside Shark action as well stick around on the other side of the break we're going to welcome in our guy al salis is going to join us of canal street chronicles and we're going to talk a little who that action right here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros there is nothing worse on thanksgiving than sitting at the table eating a piece of dry turkey water water please Your turkey may be like eating cardboard, but there's nothing dry about the sports talk here at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Make sure to tune in Thanksgiving to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles for a triple header of NFL action. It all starts with Bills at Lions at 11.30, followed by Giants at Cowboys at 3.30, and then Patriots at Vikings at 7.20. NFL Thanksgiving action right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blind Bomber, having a ton of fun with you on this Thanksgiving Eve edition. We're going to head quickly over to the game hotline and bring on our guy Al Silas, of Canal Street Chronicles to talk a little who that action. Al, happy Thanksgiving. How goes it, buddy? Hey, they're doing good, boy. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. And uh, once again, it's always a pleasure being on with you guys. Awesome, man. We really appreciate your time. The Saints a week ago getting in on the action and getting a W, a much-needed win over the Rams, which it seems like everybody's doing these days. Is that what they needed to get off the mat and really get this thing going? Yeah, for sure, but I think, you know, you talk about the Saints and, you know, the NFC South in general has kind of been a disappointment this year. So if New Orleans were to try to, and you know, make a late playoff push, they're getting a lot of guys uh, back healthy. You know, several guys return to practice today, including Marshall Lattimore, Marcus Davenport, Mark, Mark Ingram, uh, among others. So if they want to make a push in this division, that win against the Rams certainly uh, keeps the playoff hopes alive. And you talk about playoff hopes and a push to get there. What do you think that magic number is for the Saints to even contend for, for competing for, for, for that playoff spot in the NFC South? Well, I think obviously, you know, you look at the records across the NFC, obviously the NFC East, you know, you can make a case all four of those teams could easily make the playoffs, you know, Dallas, New York, Philadelphia, Washington. Uh, so obviously the path to the playoffs for the Saints is going to be through the division. And I think um, – you know, you look at Tampa. Tampa, you know, they got the big win in Germany a couple of weeks ago, but I'm not really sold on Tampa necessarily still. I think they still have some problems on that offensive line, the running game, and, you know, can't have Tom Brady do it all. You look at Atlanta, losing Kyle Pitts for the rest of the year. You know, even though Pitts wasn't doing a whole lot, that's still a guy you have to keep an account for on the field. Uh, so that's a big blow to that team as well. I think for the Saints, you know, 
I think nine games might be the magic number. Uh, in all honesty, this is not a good division. Uh, the Saints, you know, they, they're banged up. I think if they can get to nine wins, uh, and including beating the Bucks Monday night here in a few weeks in Tampa Bay, I think that certainly uh, rolls in favor of their playoff hopes. I'm all with you right there. Nine wins is plenty, I think, to, to get into the playoffs in this division that is a little bit of a, a – cluster at the moment right now let's say they do get to those nine wins what do you think is going to be the main reason why especially on the offensive side of the football that they're able to kind of get over the hump and into the playoffs well i think honestly i think you know one guy you can be look at who could finally get in and see some game action would be trevor penning the first round uh, rookie tackle who obviously had the big turco injury uh in the preseason has not played at all he's ramping things up by practice if you hit trevor penning in uh, even with Kim Scherr still out with the injury, uh, get Penning in sort of huge at, at the left tackle position. You know, I would feel a lot better about uh, the offensive line going into the offseason if I know I have Ramchak, Breeze, McCoy, Pete, and I had a left tackle spot figured out. So I think if you get Penning back to stabilize the blind side pressure for Andy Dalton, uh, going forward, that will stabilize the run game. Uh, you can maybe run things more to the left side instead of just on the right side. And it opens a lot more. Uh, you know, for the running game in general. So, I think getting pending back, seeing what you have there with him. Uh, playoff push or not, I want to see pending play get some snaps. So, I think that could be something certainly uh, that could help out this offense going forward. And looking at the defense, I mean, it's really been kind of feast or famine for that bunch uh, throughout the season. They they have real good showings where you think they're turning the corner, and then they'll they'll have a week where they just lay an egg. What can we do to get this distance, uh, this defense playing at a more consistent basis down the stretch? But I think in particular, look at the defense. I know we talked about Trevor Penning, and he's been out the entire year. But that defense, man, uh, they've had some key injuries at several spots, including the secondary. Uh, you know, Riley Roby returned to practice uh, today, as did Marshawn Lattimore for that lacerated kidney. So getting cornerback one and two back. And, I mean, look, we see all uh, – Paulson Deba looked pretty well uh, in the, in his time, as well as at Alante Taylor. Both of them stepped up by a lot, I thought. So – if you get the secondary stabilized, I think the pass rush, it is what it is at this point. You're not going to upgrade it by any means. So um, if they can just do enough and you can really kind of put the pressure uh, on the opposing team's receivers to try to complete balls against the secondary, um, I think that's going to be trouble for teams. I mean, Tyron Matthews played a little better as the years progressed. Uh, you know, getting Latimer back will be huge. Uh, so I think if the secondary can kind of get healthy and uh, kind of force teams to have to run the ball, that I think you're in good position. Turn our attention now to the San Francisco 49ers who have won three in a row and look really good in those three ball games. What stands out to you for San Francisco and really gets you nervous heading into the matchup on Sunday? It's kind of interesting with the Niners just because I think, you know, they're so diverse offensively. You know, say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he is fine at what he does and what he is. Uh, you know, they have George Kittle, they have Ayuk, who's kind of really come on late, uh, the second half of the season after kind of being a doghouse early on in the year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, went healthy, one of the most electrifying backs in the NFL. Um, and, you know, with McCaffrey doing everything as well, it allows you to kind of use Debo, Samuel, and whatever kind of formation or package you want to. At this point, with Debo, you can do it all. So, uh, I think, honestly, if healthy, the Niners, to me, might be the best team in the NFC. It can make the most noise come playoff time. So, I think if we're the same You've got to uh, put the pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo to make the throws to win the game because I think that's the one 
thing on the Niners' offense. You could look at it and exploit it and go, okay, that's how you're going to be the Niners. Not with the playmakers. It's by making Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. And he is what he is. He's a game manager. So I think if you can do that, then your odds greatly increase to uh, coming up with a win on Sunday. And you mentioned putting some pressure on him. To me, the defense has to step it up and play a big game. Just make him uncomfortable, even if you don't get home for some offense mark. If the Saints are to become out, to come out victorious on Sunday, what, what kind of style of game do you think this is going to be? I, I think it's going to have to be one of those ugly-type ball games where it's going to be kind of turnovers and, and finding your way in, into maybe uh, a game you shouldn't win uh, but come, to come out victory on the road. Right, for sure. I think, you know, you got to look at the format. Uh, or not even the, form, the mentality this team had week two at home against Tampa Bay. That was a 3-3 ball game going into the fourth quarter. You know, it was a lot of defense, not a whole lot of offense, really. I think if, uh, like you mentioned, if the, if, the, if the front seven can just get pressure enough to where Garoppolo is off of his feet, makes a couple of bad throws, maybe misses some guys, you know, that are wide open a time or two in this game. Now, I think, you know, the, it, it can shift easily back in the favor of the Saints, but I think the Niners' defense, it is so good. Uh, again, all around, much like this offense, it is so good across all three levels. They're going to have to try and force the ball, make some plays down the field because um, I think really in that game against the Rams, you know, things really didn't open up until you hit that big strike to Chris Olave uh, late in the second half. So I just kind of think if you can uh, wear down this defense with the run game, with the short passing game, uh, and then get open with the play action, then I think opportunities will be there against a uh, – it's a good secondary in San Francisco, not the best, but um, you, you can exploit them for sure if you can get the play action going. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Chris Alave has to be involved in the game plan early. He's a bright spot on this offense that's been kind of ho-hum this year. His career looks bright. Who? How do you kind of compare him to, to former players, and where do you think he fits going forward for the Saints? It's a great question. You know, I think you, know, <laughs> I think you look at the history of the Saints in general. I mean, uh, Michael Thomas, his rookie year in 2016, Marcus Colson's rookie year in 06. Uh, you know, if I, when I'm thinking about Chris Olave, I kind of look at a guy like um, right off the top of my head, there are so many good receivers. It's crazy how many great ones there are. They're not Hall of Fame worthy guys, but I think a guy that comes to mind when I think of Chris Olave is a guy like. Um, you know, and maybe is a guy like Marvin Harrison. You know, I think in the sense of the hands are there, the route running, the technique uh, is all there. But also, you kind of look at Chris Olave. That's not a guy who gets real raw, raw on the sidelines in your face. A guy like Des Bryant. Uh, you know, back in his earlier days, that, that's a guy who was quiet. He leads with he leads with his play on the field, and you know, his his route tree, his ability to grasp his offense already seems like years ahead of what a rookie should be. And I know, obviously, with Michael Thomas being out and uh, Jarvis Landry kind of being in and out of the lineup as well, um, they probably were not expected to ask him to be the, the wide receiver one this early in his career. But he's come through. He's proven he's that guy. Uh, and, again, I think Shades of Marvin Harrison is the first guy that comes to mind as far as his leadership, uh, his tenacity, kind of just his football IQ. It's all there. He's on pace, you know, already. Again, Colston, Thomas, and now Olave for the Saints. That's interesting, Comp. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about a week ago, and we couldn't pinpoint anybody. But nobody came up with Marvin Harrison, and I think it's a really good one, actually. it's uh, I, I couldn't agree more with a lot of different places that you were, you were going with those comments, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's Man, look, if, if Penny can come out and, and show me something to end the year with, 
then I think you know have the Eagles having that top ten pick might be just worth it, knowing what we have at Olave and Penning. Well, He's that good. T- tell tell the good folks of Acadiana where they could find your work. Uh, <laughs> great question, Brian. I appreciate that. So you can find me on Twitter at Alex A L E C Salas S A L A S O nine on Twitter. Uh, you can follow my great work with Kenosha Chronicles there as well. Uh, on Spotify and Apple, we just now started up a Saints and Sinners podcast discuss- discussing all things New Orleans Saints. Uh, and that sounds of fun working with uh, Jeremy Trotter from the Canal Chronicles as well. And on YouTube, the final drive, we do all things NFL, NBA, uh, pop culture, whatever it is. But uh, that's a lot of fun as well. So you can find all those things on those platforms. And, uh, again, man, appreciate the time, guys. Have a great Thanksgiving, uh, Blaine and James. Happy Thanksgiving, man. I enjoyed it. Appreciate your time. As always. Al Silas joining us right now, the Canal Street Chronicles. He just told you you could find him in a plethora of different places. He does a ton of work. YouTube, Spotify. You can also head over to Canal Street Chronicles as well. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have our last segment of the show. James and I will break down our Thanksgiving memories and give you a sneak peek of what will be on our Thanksgiving plate. Stick right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home of the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving number 37. If you're eating your weight in fixins, then make sure you're dressed appropriately. So pull out the stretchy pants this Thanksgiving. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Looking for a great stocking stuffers this holiday season? Look no further than the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our awards club, you will have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Maple's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino. But you can only score these great prizes, stocking stuffers, by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. Welcome back in for the last time today to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blind Bomber, having a ton of fun with you guys on Turkey Day Eve right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, the game. We've had a ton of fun so far today talking about high school playoffs, raging Cajuns, LSU Tigers, and New Orleans Saints. Even sprinkled in a little World Cup talk, uh, thanks to James and Ben, who called in to, to give us a little bit of perspective what to expect. I want to bring James on real quick. He's going to be able to tell us a little bit more. We joked about the U.S. really coming out and playing well on Friday. Is that like a thing? Can they do that? I mean, they play well the first half. Can they win, truthfully? Win the whole thing? No, like Friday. Oh, oh ooh, not very likely. England is ranked. They they have They have England ranked fifth. And actually, I was surprised. I didn't realize how high they had Belgium ranked. They actually had Belgium ranked second. I, I saw one on my side on the FIFA website for for rankings. I don't. I don't know if that's correct. I could tell you. Uh, they have England at five. Belgium yeah. one. England five. Brazil, France, and Argentina in between. Now we all know Argentina laid an egg to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that was yesterday. A, that was a tough one. And then Italy's not even in the World Cup and there's six. And you saw uh, Spain. Spain absolutely spanked uh 
Costa Rica. Huh? Costa Rica, seven to seven nil earlier. Yeah, that's not the same Ticos that made it all the way to the uh, quarterfinals <laughs> back in what was it, 2014? I'm guessing, or was that 2010? They they had a deep run in, into the World Cup uh, quite a few years back. James, what are you most excited about? I, I we talked about Saints. 49ers on Sunday at 325. We got LSU and AM on Saturday, as well as the Cajuns and Texas State. Then we have high school football as well as United States men versus England in the World Cup. What what is the what was the game that's most exciting for you heading into to Thanksgiving weekend? Uh my next Madden matchup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to me, these all don't seem I guess all, I, all outcomes seem pretty likely. Yeah, because you don't feel great about the Saints versus 49ers. You feel like it's going to be a walk away with LSU, Texas A&M. I guess the one that would re- intrigue me the most that I that I am curious about is UL and Texas State because it's, there's both implications on that. Do you get in? Do you win and get in? Or if you lose, are you going to be at the mercy of maybe potentially being one of those five-win teams that still gets a bowl? Because we have been hearing talks that there may be a few of those this year. As we've seen in when, recent when you past. expand and have so many bowl games, you know you gotta kind of lighten the load for some teams and let them in at yeah. five and seven. But hey, I, even at five and seven, you get those extra practices. You gotta welcome that with open arms. Yeah, you you still let it in. You obviously still take it because it's it's recognition for your program. It, you get uh, the nationwide. practices though, man. The pra- I, I agree. Building the brand and being on a national platform, every bowl game's televised, so you'll be on a national platform that your brand will be shown on. But you also get those extra what fifteen practices. That's a whole spring session. Yeah, as Matt said two segments ago, that's a uh, huge getting practices, especially when you got a bunch of young core players you're building your program on. Yeah, it's definitely influential because you'll be able to get in some of the young players that you haven't been able to really play all year. They'll they'll be able to get some more reps and maybe see some action on the in in the actual game itself. All right, real quick, I know we're wrapping up. Goat Thanksgiving food, what you got? The goat Thanksgiving food. Yes. You really can't go wrong with uh, green bean casserole, but I go. am I am an absolute fiend for potatoes and gravy. All right. Green bean casserole seems to be a consensus. Ralph, get on board with green bean casserole. I want to thank our guy, Cokie Riley from USA Today to join us, as well as Al Silas of Clanow Street Chronicles join us as well, as well as our callers Ben, Ralph, and T. And, of course, thank James for keeping us all in line behind the glass and on the ones and twos. And, of course, thank all of you for hanging in there and listening with us on this Wednesday afternoon. And I want to wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving. You have so much to be thankful for. Get out there and spend it with friends and family and enjoy the holiday for what it is. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll be back real soon right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.